Welcome to Influencers Unfiltered. I'm your host, Michelle Noor, and today we have a fantastic episode lined up. We'll be talking about handling setbacks, perfecting your pitching to brands, and nailing those brand deals. Now, I've had my fair share of experience in this industry for the past seven years from major brand deals with L'Oreal, Sephora, working with brands in Paris, Ireland, and so much more to also facing rejection so many times. So let's get real about all of that. In today's episode, we will be sharing all that information with our fantastic guest, Kalpana. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Michelle. We're so happy to have you. She's an influencer on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, and has accumulated over 5,000 followers. And you guys know what's even more impressive? She got her first paid brand deal at 1,300 followers. That is literally phenomenal because I know like when you're first starting out, it's so hard to even get a brand's attention. So getting a paid gig at that point is so impressive. So well done to you. Kalpana has teamed up with big names like Tom Ford Beauty, Charlotte Tilbury, Lululemon, and Merit Beauty. Wow, like that's a good list. She got invited as a Beachwave ambassador to the New York Fashion Week by celeb hairstylist Sarah Potempa, who is the CEO and founder of the Beachwaver. How awesome is that? Being invited to New York Fashion Week by someone who is such a big name in the industry, that's phenomenal. We'll be spinning the beans on her journey, snagging up some pro tips from you and how you got these brand collabs. So let's dive right in. Kalpana, tell us about your journey on social media, how you started and how's it going for you so far? Yeah, so I actually started my blog, my website back in 2014, February 14th of 2014. Wow. <laughs> and um, from then, um, I started off in blogging and I kind of took a detour like we all kind of do. Um, life takes us in a different path. So I kind of stopped blogging for a little bit. I mm -hmm. did have my Instagram account, but I was just, you know, posting here and there just like as a hobby. So it wasn't okay. anything specific, but I love fashion and beauty. It's just been who I am since I was a toddler. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just growing up, I would always wear my mom's makeup and her jewelry and shoes. And I just always, you know, was into that. And that's what everyone came to me for as I got older, coming to me for advice on hair and skincare and makeup and fashion um, and being their like personal stylist. Once um, I started seeing um, influencers, I started seeing people actually making money on Instagram with, you know, their dream brands that they've already been, you know, wearing or promoting. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that this is something you can actually make money in. So I started mm -hmm. to take it more seriously. So um, back in 2018, um, so there was kind of a four-year gap there when yeah. I first started my blog. Mm -hmm. um, and then realized that, okay, this is something I really want to learn, but I also want to learn from an expert. Yeah. So I actually found um, an influencer coach who's already, who already quit her nine to five job, making mm -hmm. six figures to um, replacing her income, doing this full time and teaching other content creators how they can do it too. Yeah. So I was like, oh, all right, I want to do this as a business. I want to be professional. I want to learn how to not only grow my account, but also um, work with my dream brands and make money doing this full time. Mm -hmm. So, um, fast forward to now I do work nine to five. I'm still working nine to five, but the dream and goal is to do this as a full-time content creator. Cause yeah. I know what it is possible. 
um, seeing like you, Michelle, which is inspiring and just like so many other content creators who are doing it mm-hmm. and in the same niche that I am yeah. in, in fashion and beauty, but just across all other niches. So, um, so yeah, it's just, I started my YouTube this year and I actually taught myself how to do YouTube. I didn't know. Um, but I've learned, you know, it was pretty easy once, you know, as you've been doing this for quite some time, you kind of like pick it up, but, um, just learning the strategies. I think a lot of people assume as content creators or influencers that we just snap a photo and then post it, but that's not it. There's so much behind the scenes that we're doing that they don't know that we're doing from multiple hats. We are all the time um, strategist, content creator, planner, editing, um, producer, stylist. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so there's so much that, and there's like strategy. There is a true like business strategy um, Mm -hmm. behind it. And everyone has their why. So for me, this has just been my dream to be able to do this. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it, but also it's like a, it's a way I'm adding value back to my audience and community. Um, who love the content that I'm creating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I love your journey so far. And I love that you're like, you, like, you don't see it as like, okay, I've made it. Like I, I, I'm at this point, I can quit my job. Like you're still in the process. And I feel like that's why it's so important to have someone like you on the podcast is to show like, you know, I'm still doing it. I still have that nine to five but I'm also like working towards my dream because this is something that's in me and I notice a lot with like beauty influencers or people that are in the makeup and fashion spaces like they've always loved this as a kid I can definitely relate to that because I was kind of like that sibling too in the house that daughter who was like the creative always learning makeup and all these different things and I uh, uh, actually started on YouTube as well and um my YouTube, honestly, like props to you, you're still doing it. But YouTube is so much work, like filming a video, it would take me like an hour, two hours just to edit that video. And you're 100% right. Like you're literally everything. You're your own makeup artist, your own editor, script writer, um, videographer, like literally everything. And that becomes exhausting. And people that do YouTube, like I'm in awe of them because it's so much work. It's so much work editing videos and putting it out there. And YouTube is not an easy platform to grow on at all. Like Instagram and then TikTok is the easier platforms I would find. But YouTube is not easy. So um, definitely I can relate to that, that, you know, you have to start off somewhere. And it's definitely a journey. I did not quit my uh, full-time job until like last year. And, you know, I'm almost at 320,000 followers now. So it definitely takes some time. Everyone has different goals. It's not necessarily about money like for me money definitely came later on into the picture because when I started like making money on Instagram was not really a thing it was mainly just about having a lot of followers and doing shout outs and things like that but the money and the influencing marketing industry kind of came a little bit after like around the 2017-18 era that's when people actually started to get brand deals it was mainly YouTubers who would make money in that uh, in the time where I started so um yeah definitely like money is the number one goal for many of us is you know, it allows us to sit at home, be with our kids, be with our family, and also be able to do something we love and make money off of it. And that's why I love your perspective so much is because you're still kind of in the in the game, you're working so hard towards your goal. And I love your page, you're very inspirational. And everything you've done so far is so, so impressive. So I'm definitely really happy to have you um, on the show and for you to be able to share with our audience, like your perspective and that, you know, not 
everyone has kind of the same experience and the same journey. You started somewhere and you have a goal that you're looking towards. So definitely props to you for that. Um, let's get a little bit into just add on to this that as a micro influencer, you've encountered unique challenges. Can you share some of the hurdles that you face in this industry, how you tackle them, how you deal with them? Just, you know, give us a few. I think the first thing as content creators is mindset. That's just something yeah. also I just remember my yeah. influencer coach learning from her. And also that there's this, like, we need to start believing that, yes, um, seeing other content creators who are making it, not seeing mm -hmm. them as competitors. Yes. Uh, or there's like a lack of, like, there, like a scarcity mindset. There mm -hmm. is more than enough to go around for everyone. Yes. And to see it as inspiration. So when I look at you and your page and I'm like, oh my God, okay. Like I see it as inspiration. And when I look at other content creators, again, same things, following their journey. Um, I see it as inspiration, motivation, or they can do it. I can do it. I just need to change my mindset, reframe it. And then also, um, cause I believe in the law of attraction. So you're going to attract <laughs> what you believe. So if you think mm -hmm. of your lacquer is not going to happen for me, then that's exactly what you're going to get. Yes. But if you reframe it um, to that, you know, that if they can do it, I can do it. And it will happen for me with that conviction. It mm -hmm. will. And you will attract mm -hmm. it. But it also takes consistent, disciplined effort. So that 100%. is the other thing. Consistency is key. Um, I used to post seven days a week. Now I kind of dropped it down to five just so I have a little bit of a, uh, a break. But I, I guess and same Thing, like you said, like as content creators, we'll get that overwhelm and burnout. And sometimes we just don't know what to post. So yeah. having a little bit of time for ourselves to just kind of do nothing or do other things like spend time with family or other hobbies. Yeah. Um, I've noticed for myself that in that time that I also kind of get more ideas because yes. you're, you know, not so like trying to overthinking about what to post. Yes. So um, I keep it as a true business Monday through Friday. Sometimes here and there I might post on a weekend, but yeah. um, I'm trying to keep it Monday through Friday. And um, so I have a little mental break too. And 100%. just to let, let some, you know, ideas flow. And then I use weekends to actually film because yes. that's when I time since I'm still working nine to five. Um, I only have evenings after work. So I'm really making sure I make time of like my weekends to film to film content and also edit and plan it out. So, and yeah. then also make sure I have time for me <laughs> as well. Yes. yes. In, in that. Um, so consistent mindset and consistency. And then also that, um, you know, when I was first starting out and trying to attract brands, what I mm -hmm. learned is that start with the brands that you already use like products yes. you already live and use and start organically tagging them to yeah. attract those brands because then they'll see or you're already a consumer and they're more yeah. likely to work with you than someone mm -hmm. who doesn't follow them, doesn't engage on their account, doesn't post anything about them. So yes. why would they want to work with that person? Exactly. They would rather work with someone who already loves their product. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. I feel like that's one of the like perfect, like, way to look at it and the strategy that you have about filming content and kind of treating it it works differently for everyone like for me I have like one or two days where I'll batch content for the rest of the week but me I'm a workaholic like I definitely like I'm not gonna say I'm perfect at it I'm really trying to find a day where I just disconnect and I'm still struggling with it so much if you guys haven't listened to our first episode on burnout please do because that 
episode really reflects the life of a lot of influencers. We go through burnout quite uh, often and we don't really talk about it because it's just like, this is your job. You can't really stop. If you stop, your page will stop growing. So it's like this constant battle you have to constantly have with yourself. But when you find ways to manage and you find ways like, okay, I can have these days to film content and post or whatever. And then I can have these days just for myself so I can recharge. My creative juices can flow better and that is definitely the best way to look at it to go about it and to kind of go towards this business because if you're constantly going at it I know that's what they say like to post every single day be on the algorithm be on top of everything but like you don't always have to do that just find a strategy that works for you try different things try posting like I used to post every single day for two years straight but now I post every other day or every two days that's what's working for my page right now but that doesn't mean like a later on I like that's not going to work it can be different things the algorithm is always changing but you also have to kind of keep up with yourself and see like what you need this job can kind of get very very tiring and overwhelming and like you mentioned you kind of compare yourself you get into the scarcity mindset like oh this person got this collab with this brand that I wanted and now I'm not gonna get it because this person got it already so definitely like when I'm focusing on myself and my journey and my growth and what who I'm working with and just being proud of even if it's a smaller brand if I'm working with a smaller brand and I feel happy about it and you focus on what you have you will be happier more and more and more things will attract as Kalpana mentioned it's literally about the law of attraction the more grateful you are the more happy you are with what you're getting you will get more the universe will reward you more the more you're in the scarcity mindset like oh my god this person has this and I don't which it's normal trust me I get into this at least once a week and I have to like kind <laughs> of kick myself around and be like no get out of this like you're you're good like and that comes with just this industry it's very competitive and if especially if you're in the beauty fashion space it's the most competitive industry because everyone loves it we're women we all love makeup we all love beauty and definitely like to get into that mindset can create a hurdle in your growth that can create setbacks and um, that can kind of you know be challenging to work through if you don't have you know, someone guiding you or you you don't have something like this. That's why I wanted to create this is so you can hear it from people that are also going through this and find strategies that work for them and maybe implement them in your life because it's very, very normal. We literally all go through the same things. We all compare ourselves to different people. We all have these moments where we're like, we're not good enough or this brand is not working with us because something's wrong with us, but that's not true at all. And that's what this episode is all about. So I'm glad that you mentioned all these points. These are fantastic. And let's get a little bit more into setbacks and projections because they are a part of the game, as I mentioned. And um, I remember a time when a big brand, like, you know, they turned me down all the time. Just because I have a lot of followers does not mean I'm perfect. Does not mean I'm going to get every single brand deal. And you could have a million followers and still be rejected because there's a million other people who have a million followers. You know, this is not necessarily because something's wrong with you or whatever. It's just whatever the brand is looking for. So, um, I want to hear like how you approach it, how, like, how do you deal with rejection and setbacks? So I learned that again. So one of the biggest thing is a myth that was, um, that influencers need, like you mentioned, a huge following to yeah. get like collaborations with brands or paid partnerships. And obviously I'm a, you know, uh, testament to that, that I got my first paid brand deal at 1300 uh, followers. Mm -hmm. And 
it's, you know, before that it was like just collaboration where it was gifting more like, you know, in exchange of the product, I would post something, mm -hmm. um, on my feed or, you know, on, on my stories. But what I learned is that, you know, rejection is just like redirection. And that's something 100%. I always tell to myself. I always tell myself like, okay, when a brand says no, it doesn't always mean no. It just means like, maybe not right now. Maybe again, it could be like, maybe they do want a, a bigger influencer, or maybe you're not the right niche yeah. um, or whatever the case may be. I would always go back and just ask them um, and just be curious, like, okay, why was I not a good fit for this campaign right now? I would love mm -hmm. to work with you in the future when mm -hmm. it is a better fit. So yeah. just going back, just don't just, you know, take it as like, oh, they rejected me and they don't never want to work with me. They might want to work with you later down the road, but just like keep following up with them. But I would say, ask them, you know, yeah. um, just like in any interview, if you, mm -hmm. you would like to know like, okay, what can I improve upon? Or why did you not choose me for this specific, you know, uh, campaign? Yes. Just be curious. And I think the brands would appreciate that too. And that's something I was starting to do as well. But mm -hmm. also, um, you know, being consistent and pitching, you know, don't yeah. wait for brands to always come to you. Um, I've had where brands did come to me. And also like when I actually was proactive and was pitching to brands, because yeah. this is a brand I really want to work with. Mm -hmm. And um Again, you can come back to them, you know, maybe a few months or, you know, a year later, just, you know, based on you can show them, hey, this is how much I've grown or this is the brand, other brands that, you know, I've worked with. So th as a way to kind of be more proactive about those setbacks, it's just going to help you grow as an influencer and just learn what you need to get better at yeah. and your pitching strategy as well. Before you even pitch to a brand, the first thing you need to do is already organically start following them and yeah. engaging with your account. You need to like their, you know, posts, uh, mm -hmm. comment on them, you know, react in their stories. When you mm -hmm. use a product from that brand, make sure you're tagging them and yeah. also tagging them in your stories because it goes straight to their DM. So they will see like when you do reach out and I would say organically engage with uh, brands for about 30 days before you pitch them. Cause you cannot just cold pitch to them when you haven't done any of these. And that's part mm -hmm. of the strategy. Mm -hmm. So make mm -hmm. sure that you follow this. If these are brands you really want to get on the radar with. Yeah. And well, maybe the first initial will be a collaboration, you know, more of a gifting thing before it's a paid partnership, but at least that's a foot in the door yeah. so they can see how you guys partner together and yeah. see quality of content mm -hmm. as well. And then another thing is a lot of content creators, I like just like any uh, job that you're entering for, make sure you have your influencer resume. And that's called a media kit, yeah. your case studies, and your rate card. So those are the three things I learned. So they sets you apart from other creators who um, as a professional, like, okay, She's mm -hmm. already worked with other brands. She has her demographics. She has her stats. Yeah. Um, she's already worked with some other brands and put together her case studies of like those of that, you know, statistics and all of this information you can easily grab from any of your platforms like Instagram, TikTok, yes. mm -hmm. um, YouTube. You just go to insights and it'll give you all of that information to add. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and then your rates. Of course, when you're first starting out, you, you know, Definitely something reasonable, but you could always negotiate with the brand. 
every single thing that you said is perfect like the fact that you look at it as a redirection is the perfect way to go about it because that's literally what it is if if it's not working out in the moment that does not mean it's not going to work out later and what i've noticed like being in this industry for quite some time now is that brands have like different quarters where they work with influencers it's always around like you know, for example, Christmas time or New Year's or Valentine's Day or a new launch, it's always in these quarters. And that's when you like need to um, interact with them as Kalpana mentioned, like tag them in your stories, use it. It's fine if you do a little bit of free work. We all started off doing free work. You know, free work is not necessarily free work because it's you're investing in that relationship with that brand. And I've mentioned a lot of this in um, in my ebook as well on how to build a relationship with brand is 100%. Like if you love the brand, use it. It's okay. If you think, oh, I'm doing free work, whatever, I'm not getting anything in return. You never know when the brand will be like, oh, I remember this person. She always tags me. She always uses our products. Her audience loves, you know, whenever she uses it because she's consistent. So they believe her that she genuinely loves the product. And let's work with her this time. So definitely like constantly tagging them, constantly reaching out to them, never stop pitching because they have hundreds of influencers always pitching. So don't think, oh, you've sent five emails that they're annoyed of you. And we mentioned this in our previous episode too, is that never stop pitching, keep pitching all the time because um, you never know which email will be the one that gets seen. So uh, everything you mentioned is perfect. Like, yes, if you're starting out as a micro influencer, please have a media kit. It's fine. If you don't have that many followers, it's fine. If you haven't worked with that many brands, it's okay. It's fine. If you think your rates are ridiculous, if you have a thousand followers, it's fine. People work with influencers with under a thousand followers. It doesn't matter. Like if you can make money off of it, just put it on that card. You can always negotiate. I have templates in my ebook about how about how to negotiate, how to do this back and forth, because it can be overwhelming when you're starting out and you know you think the brand is so big that they're not gonna work with you. There's always ways to, you know, at least get a gifted collab in the beginning and then work your way up to a paid partnership. I'm not against gifted collabs at all because when I first started working with Shein, for example, I worked with them quite a bit. I did a lot of gifted in the beginning and now I have signed a year-long contract with them. I work with them on a monthly basis. They're a consistent source of income for me and I love their products. My my audience genuinely loves their products. They use my code because they know like this is something that I have been sharing with followers and they always shop on Shein anyway. The whole world does basically. So when they see it from me, they they know like it's a reliable source. This person loves it. So the brand also wants to keep working with me because my audience also loves it. So it's it's you're kind of doing it. You're playing the long game. So don't be against gifted collabs. Keep doing those. And if you get rejected from a paid one, it's okay. Just post anyway. Tag them anyway because it will build your relationship and it will be worth it in the long run. So great information um, that you just shared. Um, another topic that I would love to discuss because when starting out, it can be overwhelming looking at someone who has more followers or whatever, has more branding. And that's why I want to have guests on the show that can show different perspective and like working with Tom Ford Beauty is insane. Like I have never, <laughs> I have never even been approached by them. So that's freaking awesome. And that just shows that Kalpana's content and quality is so good that you know a big brand like Tom Ford will reach out and work with her even though she has you know a micro influencer level platform which is fine that like that shows that you can make money it doesn't matter the amount of followers you have it's just about the quality of your content and um you know how you put it out there so 
I want to discuss like imposter syndrome because that's a silent battle for a lot of influencers, myself included. And it's crucial to focus on your journey, your growth, the positive feedback from your audience. And remember that you're here for a reason. So I want to hear from Kalpana. How do you deal with imposter syndrome? I know we touched on it a little bit, but it's it's a reoccurring thing. It happens to us almost every single day. Yeah. It's yeah, it, I definitely felt like that. And I, I still do sometimes, but I have to keep reminding myself again, it's all comes back to that mindset. So I'll catch myself when I'm like, in that, you know, mindset, imposter syndrome mindset, and just be like, no, look how far I always go back to my media kit, because mm-hmm. it li- literally lists all of you know the brands. And there's so much more that isn't, you know, and it's on my website, but so many brands, I'm like, wow, these are huge brands. Yeah, you know, that I was able to partner with some collabs, some paid, but so that when I go back and look at what I've achieved, and you know, so far, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's just a reminder to me, like, okay, I'm, you know, um, I'm doing good, like, I'm yeah. attracting these brands. It's just like we get in these moments sometimes, and I felt that I felt that way too, like even at my job sometimes. You know, I think yeah. we all feel that way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, what I did learn with that is when I first started out, I was kind of posting a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really niche down and focused on a specific niche. Then I kind of transitioned to like more travel content. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then I realized that that's not where I really am the best at. And I love traveling, but I know compared to other travel influencers, like I don't have the time to do that. I have <laughs> you know, yeah. and like gorgeous travel photos, but it's just like in these dresses and everything. But I'm like, that's not realistic to me, yeah. my lifestyle and who mm-hmm. I am as a content creator. So I think one mm-hmm. of the biggest things is what I learned is and what my influencer coach has taught me um, is that make sure that you really niche down um, instead of posting everything and anything, really focus on a specific niche and also ask your audience, what is it that your family comes to you for or your friends or your colleagues or um, your audience? And when I realized like all my entire life, everyone has been coming to me for fashion and beauty. I'm like, that's what I need to focus on. So when Mm -hmm. I started to focus my content and I pivoted, it's okay if you actually change your niche and pivot because yeah. again, you're just testing and trying what works for your platform, what's yes. authentic to you and aligns. When you start doing that, you'll start to see the results. You'll start to see the growth. You'll start to see like, okay, you're going to lose some people, but you're going to actually attract the right audience yes. who has been looking for you. Yes. And so for me, that's exactly what um, I discovered. I was like, I was like, why would anyone want to listen to me about fashion and, and beauty? Who am I? You know, but then I realized that this is what everyone has been coming to me for because I'm an expert in this. And yeah. so when I started to organically share and show more of that passion for fashion and beauty, I'm starting to see my Instagram growing yeah. and attracting those brands mm-hmm. that I want to work with. Now, I've pitched to Amber Kami as an example before, and they told me like, you know, not right now, but, you know, come back and just continue posting, be you, be authentic. Yes. And just a couple of weeks ago, I became an Amber Kami partner. And wow. I've been wearing, so I've been wearing Amber Kami since I was in high school and wow. I still wear Amber Kami to this day. And I'm actually wearing Amber Kami today. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's amazing. So now that I'm uh, an actual partner, it's like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, 
but I genuinely love the brand and it was a no brainer. And now that I'm a partner with them, I'm like, okay, sometimes, and again, this was a few years, a couple of years ago and they said no. And they just said, mm-hmm. continue just posting authentically and just be you. And yeah. everyone who already knows me and on my, like my audience, they've already seen how much I post in Amber Comedy outfits. So yeah. it was just authentic. It was organic. It, it aligned. And so that's what I would recommend is that yeah. when you're feeling the imposter syndrome, I would think I would take a step back and maybe reflect on like what's working, what's not, what is really authentic to you. Maybe mm-hmm. ask to poll with your audience. What is, you know, what is it that you're really a good expert at and focus, mm-hmm. really focus down to a specific niche versus trying to post a little bit of everything because also when a brand comes to your page, it doesn't give them a clear distinction as to like, what can we like partner with this person on because Mm -hmm. they're kind of posting everything and anything and they really want it more focused. Yeah. So like, just to clarify, because I don't like want our audience to get discouraged if they do like so many different things, because I am one of those people that is definitely more, like I, I can't niche down. And when I first started out, I was very much just doing beauty and I did not see my page growing at all. Because once again, like you mentioned, travel content, you want those big goofy dresses and that like, you know, uh, drone shots and all that crazy footage of travel content. So I felt the same way about beauty content that I needed to have this crazy expensive camera and all these backgrounds and green screen and lighting and when I started, I was 16. I did not have any of that. So um, that was that was my imposter syndrome. And it, it kind of got the best to me. And I'm like, okay, this is not working for me. I sat down with myself. And I'm like, what do I enjoy? And I realized I do enjoy a little bit of everything, not necessarily in completely different categories. It all kind of works like you do fashion and beauty, they kind of go together. Like if you're going to do a great outfit, you want a great look to go with it. So it kind of works together. And that's how I kind of approach my content is I do like for in in the niche of beauty, you can do a lot. You can do skincare, you can do hair care, you can do makeup, you can do like a lot more. And then fashion kind of correlates with it. It's a little bit different, but it kind of works together because a lot of people do beauty and fashion together. And then I will throw in a little bit of like lifestyle content, which is like luxury lifestyle. Um, like for example, when I go to Paris, I recorded like um, all these beautiful restaurants and all these different places. So it kind of works because you're kind of in the fashion space. You're kind of showing this luxury lifestyle, but you're also showing beauty products that you love. So there are people that are a little bit not too niche, but like it still makes sense for their brand because that's just how they are as a person. That's just kind of the stories that they share on their uh, on their Instagram stories, on their TikToks. They show this like lavish lifestyle. So when they do all these different things, it kind of makes sense. But definitely, like, don't be so, um, like, everywhere that, like, you're posting, like, animal content, but then you're also doing, I don't know, like, hair care, and you're also doing, like, travel, and you're also, uh, like, a food blogger. Like, that's too many things, and that's when your pa- your your page becomes a little bit chaotic. So find something. If you do like a lot of things, find something where it kind of, blends beautifully with the rest of your content. So when a brand comes to you, they're like, okay, wow, like she can do um, like nice luxury hotel reviews, but she can also show a nice outfit, but she can also do whatever, like 
kind of make it work for some people niching down works perfectly like i i have one of my friends who was in the fashion space or whatever like it was not working out for her but once she niched down to more skincare and um hair and whatever like that's when her page kind of blew up and it worked out for her so niching down for her worked. but for me being super niche did not work i had to like kind of broaden up my page bring all these different elements onto my page for it to kind of blow up because different people could relate to different parts of my content. I also share influencer tips, which has nothing to do with beauty or whatever, but it does have to do with my overall brand. So in that sense, yeah, like I am a little bit niched out, but it's fine because it works for my page. Whatever works for you, you do that. If you have to pivot, as Makalpana mentioned, from whatever is not working for you right now or whatever you think is not working for you, try something else, see how that works out. Reach out to brands in that niche and you know, see if that improves your page. Brands also look for that genuine connection that you have with their brand or with your audience. Yeah. And like you were saying, (laughs) like, I still have lifestyle in my content. And like, even though I don't do travel, like full travel content, um, Mm -hmm. when I do travel, I post travel content because again, fashion and beauty align perfectly with travel because you get to share like, okay, what did I, what did I wear for this Mm -hmm. trip or uh, while I'm on my trip, like my skincare routine mm-hmm, or my hair mm-hmm. like style. So it just blends nicely. Yes. So it's still not completely gone. It's still yeah. there, but like here and there. And it's fun. You know, sometimes it's refreshing to see that because you want to like keep up with your favorite influencer and see what they're wearing on their vacation or how they're doing their hair or their outfit or whatever. Like it's fun and it's, it brings in a little bit of color to your content, especially if you're in Canada, you know, you see these gloomy gloomy days all the time so when you go on vacation you're in tropical weather like you your audience wants to see that it brings some colorfulness yeah. to your it's feet a nice to their little feet. break because yeah. then i'm just posting travel content like where did i eat or what did i do yeah are like listeners who are um aspiring to get those brand deals what's your top tip for a successful negotiation like how do you know like yes i'm definitely going to get this collab because i have perfected my pitch so Again, I, you know, pitches and Michelle has some great ones as well. Um, if you're just starting out, like whether it's like for a collab, there's a certain way that you're going to pitch to brands. And mm-hmm. then obviously that's a foot in the door. So yeah. once you've done at least the first, you know, collab, a free collab, then mm-hmm. you can go back and, you know, if it did well and, you know, they really enjoyed working with you, then um, changing your pitch to where, you know, now you're asking for a paid collab. And again, I think that, um, again, as content creators, we do so much. So tying all that into a package Mm -hmm. um, and offering different packages that they can choose from instead of just leaving it up to the brand Mm -hmm. um, pitch, like, you know, what it would cost if you were to do it a la carte. And then, you know, here's like, you know, a bundle, like, this is what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get like, a reel, a story, Um, you are going, you know, also a white listing, a lot of people don't know about or like boosting like ads come Mm -hmm. like a lot of brands are willing to, you know, if they really want to partner with you and get more exposure. Yeah. um, And they want those high quality photos, I will Mm -hmm. include into the the pricing like, okay, well, I'm going to use a do you want to like high quality resolution photos or do you want mm-hmm. camera photos because mm-hmm. it's going to cost more so again negotiating that and letting them choose like here's my package deals yeah um you know you know um i'm going to work with a professional photographer if you want really high quality photos and then you can let them know like 
you know, for the campaign, you'll get maybe like three to five photos for that, which is all included in a package. And again, depending on how many deliverables, if it's just like one post, you know, your audience is only going to see it one time and they're going to forget about it. So if you pitch to them, maybe like a three month or six month or Mm -hmm. a year um, package deal, they're more willing to, and like explaining that this is everything that I'm doing on the back end. And yeah. also this is going to give more exposure. If they're seeing it more reoccurring mm-hmm. on my feed, you know, maybe once or twice a month, they're like, Oh, she really loves this product. Um, you know, she's talking about all the time. Then that's when they're going to start to, okay, let me go and check it out or like use your code or buy the product. So I would recommend, you know, making sure when you're pitching to have and negotiating have different package deals for them to choose from and so you can actually work with them for a longer period of time versus just like one time and then done yeah no that's amazing and that's so interesting because i've never even thought about that so that's a new tip for me too guys (laughs) that's an awesome tip like if you that's actually so cool because yeah you could actually get a better quality you know videographer or a photographer to shoot the campaign for you and you could actually make money that way so that's actually very awesome i will be incorporating that in the future yeah, you're, we're already paying for photographers on our own so why not include that in your negotiation where mm-hmm. the brand is paying and covering that cost yeah and that's what i'm doing because it is expensive to find reasonable photographers and you can collaborate with other influencers and t- or other like new upcoming photographers who are just slowly building their portfolio Mm -hmm. but if you want to work with some of the like you know um more professional um photographers in your area they're going to cost you know so a couple few hundred bucks (laughs) yeah yeah no that's that's an awesome tip and definitely like I got to learn that from you and you know it's hard for me to learn any more than I have so when I hear (laughs) such a fresh perspective from someone like that I'm definitely going to be incorporating that because she's 100% right like when you offer a package deal to a brand they're more likely to work with you because she's right like once you work with a brand, like, sure, everyone knows it's a sponsored post. They will, like, your true followers who genuinely love your content will interact, will buy, will use your code. But when you constantly post about it, you constantly give the brand exposure or whitelisting, which is basically they're allowed to um, post ads on your content. Um, and that gives them more exposure. That gives you more exposure. And you can charge for each week or each month that they use that. And that way you can make more money too. And that's an amazing tip. Definitely use like a package deal. If you haven't figured out your rates, like look at rates that other people are charging in the industry. You can also look that up online. I also have it in my um, ebook like what you should be charging based on where you are, uh, where you're at in your uh, influencer journey. Um, it's always like starting with a couple hundreds, a couple thousands, a couple ten thousands, just depending on where you are. But also like you could always... Uh, maximize that amount. If you're working with a bigger brand, you can always ask for more. I have had brands where I'm like, you know what, let me just ask something ridiculous. And they're like, okay. And it's so easy. They just say, okay. But when it's like a smaller brand, like you kind of have to do the back and forth with them. And negotiation is definitely an art form. Like you have to know your worth. You have to be confident in your rates and you like, don't be afraid to stand firm on your rates. And if a brand is like lowballing you, telling you $200 for a post, like you just say, no, like, thank you. But no, because it, it, it shows your worth. It shows that you're confident in your work and that you value your work and brands there are out there. Like if you want to charge a brand $5,000 for a post, 
they will pay you that. I'm trust me, there are brands out there and they yeah. will find a way to make it work. So stay away from the low ballers and stand firm on your race because you are worth it. It doesn't matter how many followers you have. If you have quality and you can offer and you have an engaged community, you could have 10,000 followers. But if you have an engaged community and each one of those 10,000 followers love your content, that's valuable work. And you have to stand firm on that. And a brand should be able to see that and reflect that as well. So yeah. Do you want to add more to that? I was just going to say that also that um, a lot of influencers don't realize taxes. So mm -hmm. a lot of what we do is that, um, you know, to keep your receipts and everything um, that you are, you know, whether you're purchasing for a campaign or you're, you know, going to an influencer event, like maybe your Uber rides, um, if you bought equipment for you to like, you know, like a tripod or camera to film and stuff like that, like all of this, talk to your accountant and um, you actually will, uh, it's a business, right? So mm -hmm. make sure that you are treating it as a business yes. and you can write off a lot of these expenses. Yeah. And what um and if you're going to events like um influencer events conferences again that's mm -hmm. like a business trip so if you're paying yeah. for your hotel or your flight all of this is a business business expense so that's why i say treat it like a business and keep track um of your receipts i actually have a spreadsheet of all these expenses yeah. and also everything I'm getting paid because your accountant is going to see how much you made in that year and also just like um write off all the expenses that you did as a content creator and you're just going to be doing a 1099. So I think that's something else I learned that a lot of influencers, especially you want to start building that habit now yeah. because mm -hmm. like when you get to like Michelle or some of those like mega influencers state like um levels, yeah. um you need to make sure you're putting aside money to pay back. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. That's very, very important. And yeah, that's why it's so important to have these discussions because th these things are not talked about unless you like buy someone's course. It's not talked about. Definitely taxes is number one thing. It's a business, treat it like a business. That's why I tell people like in order for you to be an influencer, you kind of have to treat your page like a professional. You can't just be like, I don't know, posting anything and everything that comes to your mind that could de like be detrimental to your brand. And it, it goes for everything. It goes for the kind of brands that you work with, like who do you want to be and how like you put yourself out there. So if you work with brands that are constantly lowballing you, like it's, it's going to hurt your brand at the end of the day, you're not making money. You're putting in the same amount of effort that you would for a brand that's paying you 5k. And um, that's why like I keep my page very professional as a business treat it like a business if you want to make money on it your taxes properly calculate everything the amount of money you spend on ubers the whatever it could be even makeup if you go buy makeup for a specific campaign add that it doesn't matter you bought a new laptop add that new mic add that whatever it is add that because you can write that off if this is something you're serious about 100 get in the habit whatever it is i wrote all those expensive and then i would give that to my accountant on a, a spreadsheet and that's a perfect what Kalpana said is like you have to keep track you have to build that habit because you have to expect that you're going to grow on this you get in that mindset you got to manifest this growth you got to manifest all these brand collabs and once you like treat yourself like a professional other people will treat you like a professional so 100% before we wrap up do you have any quick tips for influencers out there who might be feeling um, overwhelmed by all this information that we shared and all mm -hmm. the challenges that come with being an influencer 
I would just say um, be con the like number one thing is like consistency is key. Um, mm -hmm. If you really want to turn this into a full time career, you have to be consistent because that's also going to show brands like, OK, this person is serious. They're posting three to five times or three to seven times a week. Yeah. Um, but yeah. if you're only posting like once a week or once a month, mm -hmm. they're going to see, OK, we can't we don't want to really work with this person. So consistency is key because they know like you're going to continue to show up. You're not showing up for yourself. You're showing up for your audience. Cause again, yes. you have to yes. reframe your mindset. Like, yes, it's fun. Like what you're sharing and you want to be showing and resonating your authentic self and your yeah. passion and, you know, mm -hmm. to come through, but at the same time, you're adding value yeah. to your audience. And that's mm -hmm. why they keep coming back because they like and trust you. Mm -hmm. And then I would also say that, um, one thing to add is that it's okay if you say no to brands. Um, I've gotten comfortable. You don't need to. One of the biggest things is what are your values yeah. um, and thing. And for me, if values or mission and purpose don't align with what um, a lot, like if a brand comes to me or if I, I always research, research brands, don't yeah. just blindly. There's lots of spamming and phishing mm -hmm. from brands. So be careful with that. But I would say research. If a brand does come out to come to you and they want to partner with you, whether it's free or paid, make sure you do your research and just think about like, okay, does this actually align with me? Like, is this something I would use or, yeah. would my, and I, you know, um, does it align with my values? Like, what is the company doing? You know, are they giving back? So that's important to me. I like brands that also give back. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and then also if you do work with a brand and, you know, you just realize that, um, I worked with the brand last year, I made four figures from doing that long-term brand partnership, but it just didn't end on a good note. It just wasn't professional on their end. And, um, and I kept to the terms and uh, everything, but, you know, I just ended on a good note. But when they came back, I said, no, because again, yeah. um, it, you can do that and it's okay. You don't mm -hmm. feel, you don't need to feel obligated. You can say no to a brand yes. um, if it doesn't align with you. And you can just say that it doesn't, you know, you know, your product or your service or your clothes or they seem great, but it doesn't align with my personal style or my values or my personal brand. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. So just don't be afraid to also say no. hundred <laughs> percent. And definitely like, um, I agree with that because, you know, recently like a casino brand reached out to me, it has nothing to do with my brand. Sure. I could have made a lot of money, whatever, but it's not always about money. You have like, you have this image, you have this persona online and you can't cause like that to, you know, look down or whatever, like for brands to be like, okay, this person is just doing it for the money. Like it shows when you're just working yeah. with anything and everything, like it shows. But if you like work, like if you have a consistent pattern of working with like, um, certain type of brands or whatever, and here doing like higher brands here and there, like people know you're an influencer at the end of the day, you're going to work with whatever, like you want to work with and whatever pays you, but like also just understand like things that make sense for you, things that you feel good about, share that. If you don't feel good about it, if you feel like you're kind of compromising a part of you or a relationship with your audience, just to share something for the sake of money or for popularity or whatever, like it, it hurts your brand at the end of the day. So you should be very comfortable saying no, just like brands say no to us. We say no to them, you know, be comfortable in that you're, you're a brand, treat yourself as a brand, whatever you do, whatever you put out there, it's for your brand. So that's, that's an amazing tip. And every single thing you've mentioned is phenomenal. Um, <laughs> and it's a really, really fantastic perspective. And I'm so happy I had you on the show.
the journey is definitely a roller coaster. You're going to have ups and downs. And um, the insights that Kalpana shared is definitely like all the challenges that we've all faced at one point. We all started at zero. We all worked our way up. We're still working our way up. Like there's no like final point. Like I'm not going to think I hit a million followers. That's it. I'm done my work. Like That's not how it works. Whatever is the goal of your brand, set that and then work towards and everything. You know, you've mentioned about overcoming the setbacks and perfecting your pitches and working with certain brands. It's all phenomenal. And I'm really happy that you were so honest and genuine. And I'm glad that um, our audience got to hear from you because I'm sure they will be able to take a lot of the information that you said, including me, um, and apply <laughs> it into my life. Uh, thank you so much for uh, tuning into this episode of Influencers Unfiltered. We dive into the challenges of being an influencer. A big shout out to Kalpana for joining us and sharing her vulnerable insights. I'm Michelle Noor, your host. And Remember, you're not alone in this journey. Um, stay tuned for more insights, strategies, and stories. Follow Kalpana at Coco and the City on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok for more of her journey. Make sure you tune in and watch all the amazing brand collabs that she gets and, you know, learn from her. I, I'm definitely learning from her, too. Um, she has a very a unique way of posting content and interacting with her audience, and I'm sure we can all learn. So make sure to follow her. Follow me at Michelle Noor on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for updates and behind-the-scenes moments. Follow this podcast on Spotify and Apple. And until next time on Influences and Filtered, keep balancing and keep grinding.